Creeks. <laughs> Chuck Creeks, that's uh, Alice Taylor talking. Sitting in the home of the Taylors, Bob and Alice Taylor on the... It's in Harlem. The area is Harlem, about 102nd Street, Chicago. It's uh, primarily, overwhelmingly, a black community now, and one of the few, very few white families. I imagine perhaps the only white family on this block. Is that right, Bob? Oh, well, we have about four or five other white families. Four or five others. I was thinking of the Taylors. It's, uh, this is the week. This is Wednesday or so. Sunday is Easter. It's rather interesting, you see. A few days before Easter Sunday, and I noticed the Methodist hymnal, the piano is here. There are nine children, but uh, Becky, the oldest, is Illinois Wesleyan, way. Iowa Wesleyan. That's Alice talking. And coming in, I noticed a decal of an American flag on the window, a Bible, pictures here, the magazine together. It's a Methodist family magazine. How do we begin? I came about, of course, I, I heard about the Dalers through Lois Willie's excellent series, Chicago Daily News, on the anxious majority, the fears of middle-class people, working people, lower middle-class people, middle-middle-class worrying about blacks, and moving away. And what happened, uh, Bob Taylor? You're, by the way, a very excellent carpenter. I think this is related to things. Well, I'm a carpet layer, linoleum layer, actually. Oh. <coughs> well, we just had um, more or less make up our minds, you know, do we want to go out and put a heavy load, uh, burden on ourselves as a financial burden, moving out to another place, knowing that uh, I'd be putting more more pressure on myself and on the family, and being in the trades, you really don't know from one day to the next uh, if you're going to work uh, 40 hours a week, or if work is going to be good, it can drop out any any day, so this is one decision we had to, had to make, was that could we really afford to move? And uh, Another uh, thing came in that uh, I had a, we had pre preached Christian doctrine so, so much in our family that, uh, you know, how can I preach it and not practice it? So that was one thing that we had to look at, Alice. Uh, I think one of the things um, in, in line with what Bob says about practicing it was, uh, I, uh, I suppose every family, uh, husband and wife, when they uh, start to raise their children, one of the things that they um, they decide on certain factors on how, what's the best way to raise them. And one of the things that we had decided on was, very simply, to as much as often tell the truth. And uh, <laughs> you don't get yourself in too many problems that way. And so if we had been telling the truth and we really felt this, then we felt we'd better try it anyway and give we didn't know any black people you know we didn't even have the chance well our neighborhood was still white when uh, Becky went to Harlan and uh, Harlan High School that's right Harlan High School and um, through her we got to um, meet the young black people some of the black teachers at school and uh, so when the neighborhood started changing, we weren't afraid in the first place because we already knew that black people were not to be afraid of, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, and it just sort of, uh, there, there just wasn't any real decision after that, you know. Um, we, we, we felt bad. It, it's, it's very difficult to see a neighborhood, all your friends and everybody just move out. I mean, sometimes almost within a week or a month. Uh, it was just sad, that's all. And... Uh, uh, I remember saying, well, I certainly wouldn't move again, move and go through all this again. And Michael says, Mom, what did we go through? 
<laughs> he just what, didn't realize that there was anything, except he did say, too, he said, Mom, why is everybody moving? And, you know, how do you answer that kind of a question when you don't really know either, except that it is a fear, and uh, fear of unknown, fear of change. And I think we find the change, and uh, although sometimes it's tough, it's exciting. <laughs> I think we keep this free and easy, uh, Bob and Alice Taylor. You lived in this house... Uh, 14 years, this house on the corner. Years. Mm -hmm. 14 years. Yeah. And when you first moved, by the way, you should point out that even though uh, Bob is modest and speaking of his work, he helped build this house. And this room, we're in this one large room. Remodeling. Here, remodeling. Yeah, remodeling. Yeah. And think about, the, it was primarily a white neighborhood when you moved in this block? It was all white, yeah. Uh, when we first uh, moved in, uh, we had black on uh, 95th. And... Uh, we, I think, deep down, Alice and I thought that, you know, figured that sooner or later we would go through an integration, but, you know, what more, um, what more peaceful integration could we go, go through in a, in a nice Christian community? This is one reason we came here, was that we had all these nice churches, and uh, it was real nice to, uh, to walk down the street on Sunday, and uh, you didn't find too many people washing cars or mowing grass. Everybody was taking their kids to Sunday school and going to church, you know, and this was our, boy, this is just what we felt, that we'd love to have our kids raised in this type of environment. But I sure did get a shock in my life when uh, uh, all of a sudden you start hearing some of these good Christian people start talking that... Uh, you know, hold a line at 99, you know, we got to buy up all vacant real estate and all lots so that uh, we don't have the undesirable element move into the neighborhood and, uh, golly, um, uh, you know, just, just build on a bunch of hate. And I figured, you know, I started thinking, well, golly, is this really, uh, really a real Christian neighborhood? Did I want this? Uh, um, I, I, I started, seriously, started to rebel very much against my own belief and even felt ashamed that I profess to be a Christian and yet uh, here's people are, are talking this way. I don't know if I really want to associate with people like this or not. Perhaps we'll come back to uh, what's happened since the article has appeared, the article about you in the Chicago Daily News and thoughts about the guys who work with you, you know, as well as your neighbors here. We had to go back to beginnings, how you got this way, uh, both Bob and Alice. Uh, Alice, we, to you from Zion, Illinois. That's right. Um, I can remember uh, my mother, I was raised pretty much by my grandmother because my father died when I was seven. And uh, she said, and I can remember distinctly, uh, and so is my mother, always be nice to all people, you know, all people, no matter what. We had black families in Zion, and they were always accepted. They were, you know, just part of the community. In fact, our dentist was a black man. <laughs> so, you know, I, as far as that's concerned, I, there wasn't any fear of that. I wasn't until we moved to Chicago that I realized that uh, there was this massive fear of, um, of uh, black people. And I think I felt... I really think I felt that uh, that the black man liked the way he lived. I think I really felt that uh, he was content with his slum life. And uh, it wasn't until Martin Luther King started saying, in a, do, uh, having his marches and uh, doing his talking. And I was angry at him when he started because, you know, it was upsetting to hear all of this, you know. And I hear I believed all this was so wonderful. How, how far back was this? How recently was well, the beginning of the year, Martin, when he really started, uh, oh, uh, the Alabama thing. And uh, then we started 
So it's about the past six years or so. Yeah. Something like that that this happened. That uh, you just, up until that time, nobody forced us to think about it. You know, we were content. Why wasn't everybody else? You know, you just don't. Uh, as far as going back, I think that's a, it's just been sort of a gradual process of, of looking at uh, is it fair, is it justice, reading, um, reading books and articles and uh, uh, how can you help it, you know? And I, I excuse me, Bob, but just one thing that I, I really keeps coming into my mind over and over and over again. If I moved into a neighborhood, an all-black neighborhood, and everybody moved out, for no other reason than because my skin was white, I would either be hurt or mad, and I'm sure I'd be both. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't get a chance to know me, nothing. Just move, just because my skin was a certain color. And I, I, just, I, I just feel that this kind of thing is so unfair. And um, I, white people have just got to look at themselves and look at the black man as an individual and uh, not as a race or... Because they're not all the same religion either, you know. They're just like we are, different. You were, saying, you were about to say something about Yeah, I was going, Alice was so dead sure. You know, I used to question her about, you know, um, how do you know that there's really a God? And I used to really doubt it. And uh, I used to really pump her. And she, oh, I just take it on trust and faith. You know, you just have to have faith. And you just, well, then, what is this trust and, and what is this faith? You know, uh, I never really knew. And I used to go and ask uh, other people at, uh, at the church and uh, people that I knew, what is this trust and what is this faith? And they used to give me some some answer. It, that just wasn't, but now I really know what this trust and faith is in God, you know. And uh, what is God, you know? I can look at a black man and I can see God today, you know, and I can look at my kids and I can see God and I can look at a a bum, you know, laying in a gutter and I didn't see God, you know. Uh, I've kind of come around, uh, I can kind of see God a little bit more clearly. Well, Bob, suppose we dwell on this, I know how it is you got this way too. It's about six years ago, as recently six years ago, Alice was disturbed by the demonstrations, the King marches, and wondering about troublemakers. And didn't, didn't you vote for Goldwater in 64? In yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I um, don't ask me why I voted for Goldwater. The only the only thing I, it was because we felt he was telling the yeah, truth. Was telling he was him. saying what he he felt. You know, he wasn't pussyfooting around like all the other politicians were. Well, at the time, that seemed the best thing you know, that goes along with our policy of truth. You know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's a conservative. I didn't know the Birches were really behind him or anything. I didn't really give it that much thought. This man was trying to be honest. He was saying that we're going to be in the Vietnam War. The there was just no other way of doing it, and this is what was going to be done. And uh, I figured, well, this is the man that I'm going to vote. He's being honest with us. Uh, but people don't want to hear honesty. Now I'll come back to what's happened between 64 and 70 to Bob and Alice Taylor and your family. See, uh, you, the neighborhood now is changing. Many mm -hmm. people of your church, I'll ask you about that in a minute, you Methodists and very devout, were moving. And you decided to say, first of all, for economic reasons, you know, that is, uh, here you have a house, you know, invested dough. That's how it began. And then you remained. And then as you, as more and more black faces were, appeared, you got to know them, is that it? Well, I think one uh, thing that really helped was um, during the King demonstrations, when they were having the riots, you could drive into this area the first day it happened, and you could just feel. Even the dogs didn't bark. You didn't even hear a bird. It just was a, a, a real tenseness. 
And Becky, uh, I was worried about the children a little bit, and all of a sudden the children are home, <coughs> and uh, the black kids at the school had uh, more or less taken them under their wing and uh, helped them home and uh, called. They were very concerned about uh, Becky and Scott and everything, and finally uh, one of Becky's... Uh, friends called up and said, Mr. Taylor, he said, if uh, there is any trouble tomorrow, would it be all right if I take him over to one of the houses in the area here? And I says, uh, well, where is the house? And he says, it's down here on 93rd and uh, oh, South Park, somewhere down there. And I said, well, that's all right with me. And he says, you mean you'll let me take your daughter down to this house? And I says, my daughter picks her friends, and I'm, I'm sure we trust her judgment enough to know that uh, she, you know, wouldn't mis mislead anything or share her uh, friendship with you. Well, that's kind of... And then from there, um, I went over to the community organization, and, uh, you know, I just kind of made maybe a self-confessional to them that, you know, I'm here, I'm going to stay, I accept you, you know. Um, you accept us. <laughs> do you accept us? This was a big fear with me. Yeah. If we, you know, we've come up to the point of we decided uh, that we would like to stay. But would we be accepted? And man, I'm telling you, they, they've more than proved uh, uh, their acceptance of us, really. They've uh, been beautiful about uh, Something that uh, Bob said earlier before we began this conversation on the tape about knowing the people of the community. Now, you know your neighbors on this block, yeah. but you also you know people two, three, four blocks away. Yet in all white area, you might just know your neighbor and that's all. Well, listen, we have to confess because when we were an all white neighborhood, we didn't get to know them. So part of it, it's our problem, too, you know, that we, now that it has turned black, we have made more of an effort to get to know people and to be more neighborly-like. And I, I really think that that's true, Bob, because yeah. you didn't belong to the community organization before. No, but uh, the community organization before uh, preached nothing but hate. They had n yes, nothing constructive true. to offer the community. It was always a, a prejudice, dis uh, a destruction deal that they wanted. and. Uh, I went over to the community organization when, um, that went to the, more into the black hands, and uh, they had some positive things to offer the community, you know. They were really working on uh, problems. Uh, they, the, the neighbors probably knew what the problems were a lot better than I did. A lot of them came from Taylor Homes, Caprini Homes, 47th and Drexel, and uh, I imagine they had a certain fear, too, that, you know, we don't want anything that happened in our, in our new community now that happened in the old community, you know. So uh, they um, just took a real serious effort in, 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 their, in their community. I can describe this area. These are mostly one-family dwellings, yes. aren't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. One-family dwellings here in Harlem. And, this uh, is This is you, you call uh, this it Harlem. This is Roseland. Harlem. It's the North Roseland. Uh, it's I think uh, leaving the house, a couple of houses away from me, I saw a black man going, it looked like it had a policeman's uniform. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. They just moved in. Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten to know them. In yeah, fact, a white policeman a moved out next door. <laughs> a black policeman moved in. No, not in the yeah, same house, yeah. but uh, yeah. two doors away. But we have school teachers uh, next door. They're, um, he's, um, both him and her are um, school teachers. Uh, we have a couple up the block that adopted a, uh, a baby, baby. the Reese's, real nice people. We have some other people up in the Fernwood district that adopted uh, yeah. children too, too adopted. black. They're very active uh, with, with people. Uh, We'd even considered that. Uh, but I decided I had enough children. Wait that, uh, we had, uh, uh, have you heard of the transracial adoption uh, plan uh, through the Lake Bluff uh, orphanage? And I had, uh, 
we had put our application and everything, and I chickened out. It was it had nothing to do with because it was black, I because I didn't care, but I just felt like <laughs> I'd had enough babies around. Yeah, <laughs> but that size. is a tremendous uh, uh, thing that they're doing, and uh, people get to know little children. How can you hate a child? You know. I want to come to both of you, your lives, your children. Did your children play a role in your the understanding that you have now? One of the things is, is that uh, I get a little tired of people saying, well, we moved for our children. And I said, no, you didn't. Because if you move for your children, that isn't what you move for. You move, you, it, it's always this thing to protect your child, you know. Well, you can't. How are they ever going to grow if you're going to protect them all their lives, you know? Then what are they going to do when they get out on their own? And uh, did our children play a role? I think most of all was that... Um, we know and still know that regardless of how many children we have or how long they're with us, that we're going to have to have a life beyond that, you know. <laughs> that they're going to have their own lives that they aren't ours. They're only lent to us for a little while. And uh, as far as they're actually playing a role, um, I suppose maybe the sheer size of our family was another thing economically. You know, we knew that this was a better place to live. It was close to everything. and. Um, well, I, and I don't think any of them actually showed any uh, a fear. I mean, if there was any fear, it was on our part, you know, because of our built-up prejudice. But you never apparently relayed that fear to them. I guess not, although they heard it at school, you know, and... Uh, you knew the white kids were moving out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you always find... Um, people are funny... All of a sudden, you know, we should have concentration camps because the neighborhood is changing, you know. Why should I give up uh, 25 years life work, you know. Uh, I've got to, I'm forced to move out now. I've, I'm giving up 25 years of, of life. But nobody's forces this person to move out. You know, this is what he builds up within himself. You know, he's come along and uh, he's given up uh, just to run away from a man's skin. And this is all, it, basically, all it is because I find that... My black neighbor's got the same problems I've got financially. Uh, he's got kids. He's got kid problems, you know. Uh, he's got car problems. Uh, uh, we've got school problems. Our problems are basically, uh, they're all the same. Uh, there's no, really no difference. I'm curious, what about, I know that you're an expert craftsman, and you work with men uh, who are skilled craftsmen that way. We can talk about the matter of craftsmanship in a moment. Uh, your white colleagues, guys you work with, has the subject come up, your, you and uh, Alice and your family? Well, I had to ask the boss one day if I was bonded against slugging a guy. <laughs> because, uh, I don't know, the guy just got was rubbing me the wrong way. It was all right for him to spiel his hate out to me in a very uproarious uh, voice. But the minute I started getting a little loud and started putting my finger on his chest, you know, well, calm down, take it easy now, what are you getting so excited about? And this finale came over um, intermarriage, uh, and I don't know why it just hit me that way, but th this guy was, just happened to be rubbing me the wrong way this one particular day, and I came very close to, to slugging the guy, even though he was older than I was. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear, um, you know, you're white. Why, what the hell are you doing in that neighborhood? You know, you're white. You're 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 lowering yourself. You know, uh, this is degrading. You're getting in there with the dirty old niggers. This is what it really. This is what they're saying. And do you want your kids to associate with this element? You know, and uh, 
man, I'm finding out that <laughs> black kids are just as human. Uh, people say chitlins an awful lot, and I'm finding out that, you know, a lot of the black kids don't like chitlins and uh, hog jaws and black-eyed peas. You know, they like uh, a good steak and uh, American fried potatoes, cup of coffee. Uh, they have excellent taste when it comes to whiskey. If he's able to afford good booze, he'll, he'll get himself a good bottle of bonded bourbon, you know. Um, but my, my blue-collar friends, uh, I, I threaten them. I'm, I'm too much of a threat to them because, uh, you know, you're coming up and saying uh, that this can be done, and I'm saying that it can't be done. And you're threatening me. You're a real threat to me. This point of Bob's is, if we could dwell on this, Alice, that you, Alice Taylor, Bob Taylor, Two, if they could be archetypal American figures, white Methodists from, from a small town, Zion, you from St. Paul, family of nine kids, are a threat to your fellow whites mm -hmm. and Bob's same economic status. Because what? What's the threat? Well, the, it's simply because they are afraid and they don't want to be told it can work, see? And we don't, again, uh, Lois Willie asked us too. She said, Do you have any, any, um, um, solution for anyone and I said no we we don't propose to to say to anyone else uh, you do it because we do it you know our it you have to make your own decisions everybody has to make their own and we're a threat because um, they don't want to hear that it can be done or that it's working in fact uh, one of the men in our church uh, when the black people started moving in he said you wait you'll move you'll move you'll move and you know he's still there and he's not saying it to us anymore and uh, Bob says well he's I don't know how I'm gonna feel and we had to be honest about it too because we didn't know how we were gonna feel when the black family started moving in you know and we didn't know what was gonna happen we had a certain amount of apprehension too and uh, and I'm sure enough the black people have just as much apprehension moving into a white neighborhood you know the case is reversed so uh, it, I really feel like our whole thing has just been an area of learning and accepting, and a lot of people uh, that don't agree with us accept us anyway, which has been uh, great for us anyway. But we have to do what we have to do, even if that means that we don't have friends and we may lose family, uh, not, not our own immediate family, but our relatives, you know. This is something that we have to do, you know. This is our task maybe you know and yet it's 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 everyone's task it's a god-given task you know now whether no matter what it is that you decide that you have to do in your life whatever your mission is going to be you know um it sounds kind of roundabout but and it sounds like you know we're doing something <laughs> and we're not really you know that's the thing that bothers me we get all these letters you know back and oh you're a wonderful family and you're this and you're that well we're not we're not anything more than anybody else is, you know, or anything less. It's just, it's just something that we feel is important. And now that we've actually made that decision, it's not important anymore, you know. It's only important to other people like you and Miss Willie and all that. You know, we find it a little bit uh, amusing, you know, that it, all of a sudden it's become a great big thing, you know. Well, the reason I think I guess it's important to me and to people like Lois Willie and to Mike Rico and Bill Newman, certain uh -huh. journalists in my respect, is that they feel this word, they hear so much about the anxious majority, the so-called silent majority. And we know, and all of us know, there are a great many people who are really silent, oh, sure. who feel as you do. 
and afraid to be labeled or called yeah, a name. Yeah, that's or, true. Or get mm. the scrapes that Bob quite obviously is getting into, the arguments, you know. Oh, yeah, you get in the arguments all right. I thought I'd have a restaurant come down on me one day. Well, Bob, don't you find, too, that uh, people get to know how you feel? Don't even talk to you about it. They don't want to hear. They know how you feel, so they avoid any kind of conversation like that. Is whatsoever. this what you find, this point that Alice just raised? Uh, after the series, but you appeared, did you find silence that is other subjects? Yeah, the silence was very loud with a lot of people. <laughs> Our uh, best friends. <laughs> I had one co-worker out on the job, and I just mentioned, I, says, uh, I asked him, I said, did you see the article? He said, yeah. I said, what did you think? And he says, uh, well, he says, you're a celebrity. You know, that yeah. was it. Yeah. But kind of deep down, you could kind of read his, his feelings. Was he saying, <laughs> you damn honky, you know, or uh, you... Why you why you lowering yourself or I don't, I don't know it's just that uh, it's this question of lowering about this several times that he's been told by some of the guys who are why are you lowering yourself so yeah that's an interesting uh, and I, I, we don't even bother to answer that because we don't feel that we are but it, it is uh, you know you don't you don't worry about prestige anymore we, you know we just quit I think part of having a big family is another thing too is that you simply don't worry about what other people think you know you just don't dare all the time if you're worried about that uh, our next door neighbors that moved Mike please don't don't bump that um, their daughter was about to be married and uh, they didn't want their address to be down here she liked her neighbors she said, I like the black people, and I like all my neighbors. But she didn't admit this. That isn't why they moved, she said. But they did not want that address on the wedding invitations. Yeah, so we come to something called status, don't we? Right. So we come to, didn't want that address on the wedding invitation. Isn't that interesting? Well, now, she didn't yeah. say this. Again, I'm, I'm supposing. But she went out to a nicer neighborhood for what other reason could there be, you know? Well, this, uh, this got to be uh, common knowledge with some of the people in, in the area that, uh, you know, my friends aren't, won't come down to visit me now because we do live in a black area. And, you know, they get this question from their friends, oh, you live down there? You know, my gosh, you know. But you talk about lowering yourself. You know, I don't think we're doing anything more than Christ did. Christ didn't really... Um, go to the higher-ups in society and minister to them. Can you, we can all you can't lower yourself because you love your neighbor? I, I, don't, I don't see that. Well, no, you can't lower yourself because you love your uh, We rarely agree on anything. It's amazing we agreed to live here. Yeah, but you see, what, what <laughs> we're talking about here now is going to the, come to the matter yeah. of the church, you see, yeah. as to what is a Christian. You know, apparently you are, you really believe in Christ, uh, and you, you are trying to it's follow scary, his too. precepts. As a result of what you get in a lot, a lot of trouble. Yeah. 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 So what about the, you? You both, I know, are devout Methodists, and there's a church in the community. Not necessarily Methodist. I, I mean, it wouldn't make much difference to us if it. It's just that we happen to find in the Methodist church that uh, that the Methodist church at this time is. It sounds funny to say the word liberal, but that isn't what I mean. But they are the most social-minded of all of the Protestant churches, and uh, Reverend um, Deppie and. Uh, uh, the uh, renewal Deppie, yes, oh, I know. and the renewal caucus, and these men are trying desperately hard to get their people to take their religion seriously, and they're just an uphill battle all the way. And our minister is part of that. In fact, they even invite us to be part of the renewal caucus. So, <laughs> what's happened to your church? I mean, this is formerly uh, it's white church. Yeah, well, we go to church up uh, in the West Pullman area, and. Uh, it's had a lot of family ties up there. We were more or less uh, just started going there when we first met. And um, it's like a home church. 
but people that I used to have such high re regard for and respect for because I used to look at them and say, oh, those are fine Christian people. Look at what they're doing and everything. And all of a sudden, you know, just because we're the, you know, we take brotherly love seriously or, you know, we want to take the mission of the church seriously or uh, take any uh, uh, anything seriously, all of a sudden, if, you know, if it means that I have to uh, serve a particular person, which means, you know, I'm, I'm to serve Christ right now. If I have to serve Christ, I don't want to. This is what a lot of people are saying. Give me the stories. Give me all the good old stories about love and peace and that, you know, and about uh, the Good Samaritan. Give me those stories, you know. Uh, but don't let me live them. I don't want to live them. Don't ask me to live them, you know. Don't let me put my... Uh, Oh, like our minister says, don't let me put my gut out on the street and have it stomped on by that kind of a kind of a deal because I don't want it. I just want the peace, the serenity. And a show when I go to church. Yeah. <laughs> a beautiful choir and a beautiful... I'm using it as a country man's or poor man's uh, country club is uh, what yeah. I'm using it for. I can go there and give my 2 or $3 a week or $5 a week. I can uh, be in a certain circle and we can give... Uh, uh, X number of dollars to some missionary over in Africa or something like that, but don't bring it home. Don't tell me I have to go down here to the slum area or up in the uptown area and uh, work and uh, be involved with people in, in my own community. You know, that, that uh, is amusing because I just got the reading in our World Outlook um, that most American people would be very surprised to find out that the biggest mission field today is America. <laughs> You know, we like to think of some other country as a place where, you know, where we send our missionaries, but the missionaries are now coming to us, you know, that we have. You know, and the thing that bothers me so much is that uh, the, the uh, Christian church was based on the teachings of Jesus Christ and how in the world we got so far off the track. You know, where, what, what, what happened, you know? A lot of it's part of um, the, the, uh, individual salvation type uh, thing you know and we got so worried about our own evangelism that we forgot that there are other people in the world you know and uh, oh this all sounds again very theoretical you know it's always very easy to talk you know but when it comes right down to actually living I'm thinking if we go back what is amazing I think as I'm talking to Bob and Alice Taylor is that it's within six years or so that this Awareness, call it what you will, or the open window, whatever it is, the change in your outlook has happened. Before that, you had the same, pretty much the same feelings about, say, blacks, others. Did you? As oh, I, the guys um, you argue with I used to be the guy that used to kind of be the reactionary. You know, I'd hear a guy mention something about uh, race or something. I'd say, oh, well, well, what's wrong with it? You know, I wouldn't mind if my daughter married a black man, or I wouldn't mind if a uh, black man lived next door to me. What's wrong with it? You know, and this used to kind of shake them up and they used to be able to put me down because it, at that time I was probably just a babe in the woods you know I was just a, uh, doing it for reaction well, you did it as a gag more or less yeah. as, as a gag you know uh, but all of a sudden you know uh, I started yeah it started to be reality I, I've been teaching Sunday school and I've been doing searching within my uh, within myself on this religious bit and uh, Finally, I started, you know, golly, there's something. And then uh, you start reading about uh, black issues down south. Uh, 
I think one thing, and this goes quite weighs quite a back, is the time Allison and I went down to uh, Mississippi on our honeymoon. We were driving down, and uh, we went down to Mississippi honeymoon some twenty years yeah. ago. Uh, Alice says, "Bob, will you stop at the next Dairy Queen?" Sure. So I pulled into the next Dairy Queen, went up to the window, and I waited, and I waited, and uh, I watched across the way there. A guy got waited on the window across from me. black man came up alongside him. He got waited on, and I finally yelled in. I says, hey, how about some service? And the guy says, why, well, yes, OB, can't you read signs? I says, what signs? He says, you're trying to get smart? And I says, no. And I looked up, and here it says Negro. I was on the wrong side. And I think little incidences like this, uh, when we look back at them, we'd be walking down in Jackson, Mississippi. We stayed, uh, I think it was a day down there. Was it Abraham Lincoln Hotel? Yeah. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln Hotel? I, I'm not sure, but it seems sort of ludicrous to us afterwards when we began to think about it. People and I was getting off the street. Alice would walk down. Yeah, she says, I isn't this real nice? They get off the street yeah, for I us, you know, off the sidewalk. People, see? And I said, what is he stepping into the gutter for? When we would walk by, they would step into the gutter. And I never had seen, of course, you know, black people in the north just never had done anything like that, you know. And uh, it was a real shock to to us. And I think that was, that the, that the black people accepted it was the thing that I think got me. Because I'm, I'm kind of one that, uh, you're not going to tell me my kids can't go to that school. You're not going to tell me I can't do this and that. Who are you to tell me? I mean, some white son of a gun's going to tell me, you know, that that, that would, you know, I, and I think about it, and I said this to Lois Willie, too, I would have been, I would have been the first one out throwing the bombs net. I've been so mad. I don't know how the black man has been so patient for so long. We've lived on black man's grace for an awful long time. And, uh, you know, he he's just taken this, and we can't understand why. We've done a very good teaching job to the black man, you know. We, we broke up his family unit into slavery. We've taken his black women and used them for bed partners, you know. We've raised, um, uh, we've had children by him, you know. It's all right for a white man to do that, you know. But all of a sudden, just because a black man says, you know, I'd like to marry your daughter, or I'd like to come and live next door to you, or I'd like to have the same job opportunity that you do, or I'd like to make $10,000 a year, too. Oh, no. You know, we we can't give them this. Uh, no, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't what you're here for. You're to serve me. That's it. Uh, no so. justice. You know, I I, I get to thinking about uh, how um, the white man has always felt he was superior, and the worst part of it was the black man believed him. You know, and now he's not. He's saying you know we're equal but there are still I mean today we just went through a ter terribly agonizing thing we worked for Scus Savage and uh, where was the black community why didn't they vote for him you know this is very distressing here is a man that's willing to work for, for the good of all people you know and then they won't even vote for one of their own and it's like uh, one of my, I bawled one of my neighbors out and I said to her Charlotte for heaven's sake why didn't you go vote she says well you know the black man still doesn't trust his own and I said when are you ever going to start and that's the kind of thing that the, the black man himself has to fight you know and uh, at this point you know when we joined in the community organization that it was still the hope of integration now we realize that most black people want it on their own but it's up our duty at this point to support that and to work 
toward that equality. But they know, and so do we, that if it's going to come, it's got to come through their efforts that we can only support and, and not actually get out and do. And it's a frustrating feeling in many ways. Integration has got to come natural. Uh, all the government agencies, all the state agencies, uh, you just can't force it. Uh, it has to be something within the people themselves. And uh, it's not the black man's problem, it's the white man's problem. This is a big hang up. I'm thinking about your children. Uh, some of your children go to Harlem High School, overwhelmingly black, and to uh, a Dutch Reform school around here in the community. You know. Well, yeah. that's kind of hard. You know, the Dutch re Reform, we're finding out, is a little bit. Uh, was and maybe they've kind of toned down a little bit was a little bit prejudice prejudice you know but and you it's know, kind of hard for uh, our, our kids to go to that school and then all of a sudden when it comes time to go to high school here they're in Harlem and they get quite a few comments well I was going to say that after this article came out um, the teachers uh, the, let's face it Rolls and Christian School had at one time two buildings and now they've gone down to one because of the exodus of the people of the of the white Christian community. <laughs> and the teachers that have stayed, uh, they've been really supportive. Uh, um, I think of one, Mrs. Eldersfeld, and she just, you know, talked about how uh, great the article was and she wished that more people would felt that way. And several of the other teachers would tell our kids, you know, that was great. And they do have black children going there now. Um, and of course, it costs, you know, so uh, people are willing to pay. And hopefully that the school will stay in existence. Like again, like when we came here, uh, that's you may wonder how we happened to send our children there uh, being not Dutch reformed or anything the people that we bought the house from uh, sent their children to that school and we asked where the school was because our oldest girl was just starting school and she said well we send our children to the Rosen Christian school and I said well that sounds great you know children get a Christian education and uh, so uh, we were interviewed, and they accepted, of course, at the time, whoever knew we were going to have nine kids. <laughs> you know? And uh, it's sort of hard once you've started in a uh, school, and they progress on through, and they have a wonderful music program there. And uh, Becky was in the band, and Vicki, she plays the drums. Julia is starting in the beginner band. And uh, I guess just different things, you know, it's difficult to change. And, of course, that made it easier, too for us to stay because we didn't have to face um, uh, integration in our school at that moment, you know. Uh, how do things happen? I don't know. You know, you, you, if you were to just pinpoint it, there's no one what point. What about uh, coming back to beginnings? Obviously, this last six years is all, and yet you say 20 years ago you had the Honeywood Mississippi little things like seeds planted. What about your parents? Uh, their thoughts? Allison and Bob. Oh, and then my parents even uh, Bob? My parents... Um, uh, they don't even talk. Well, she'll talk to me, but uh, don't discuss this race issue with her or um, uh, anything like that. This really turns her off. My uncle uh, hasn't spoke to me for 12 years. Well, no, that's because of a business venture. Um, my mother really doesn't want to be confronted with the issue that maybe she might have a black uh, grandson or great-grandson or uh, something uh, to that order. Um, She's afraid. Yeah. Your mother, she, uh, Bob's mother knows Bob's about you living in this community. Oh, yes, and she, she is um, a very fearful person and, and of everything, and so naturally she'd be afraid of this too. And part of her problem is that she has never learned to really live with herself. And uh, 
That it's an unhappy situation. What about your parents? My parents. My father is probably the most prejudiced person that ever lived. <laughs> but he's not my father. He's my stepfather. But my mother is, I would say, the jewel of jewels. She may not agree with us, but she would support us to our ever-living death and everything else that we'd ever adventure on. She just, she's... Um, a very exceptional person. She's um, 70 years old, and there's never a time that she has ever, uh, that I can ever remember in our life that she's ever criticized anything that we do or have done. And in fact, she's, I sent her the article, because she lives in Florida, and uh, she said, um, she says, I'm sure she says, you know, Alice, I always thought you were going to be a missionary when you were a little girl. And she says, whoever thought that the mission would be at your own back door. <laughs> but she's just that kind of person, and she's, uh, uh, well, again, and I probably, uh, she's, I think I can remember back as a little girl, my mother worked in the curtain factory, and my father died, I think I said. And she had to support us kids during the Depression. And uh, getting back to your book, <laughs> I was thinking about that. And of course, that was before unions, and so she had to work piecemeal, you know, and whenever they called her. And, and she taught us always, you know, always by her example, that all people are beautiful if you look at the inside of them. Don't look at how they look outside. And I think that probably, you know, it's these little seeds all the way through. And like my grandmother saying, be kind to everyone, you know, and my mother saying, all people are beautiful inside if you take the time to look. Uh, again, I'm, it was never any preaching. It was just their example. You know, I, I can't ever remember my mother ever preaching to me about anything. The, the uh, matter of uh, you're pretty, the people who who are arguing with you, uh, who are wearing, are not sure of themselves. That's a big factor, isn't it? Not sure of the, that there has to be someone less. Well, I think we're. Um, I read this last week somewhere. Uh, we're running. What is it? Things are going so fast that we're running so hard to try to keep up. And oh, what is yeah. that? Um, the first one was that uh, we're we're spending our life uh, looking out the rearview mirror with a cloudy windshield. We can't see what's ahead, you know. And uh, the second one was, uh, and it was some saying of somebody's. I can get the book and. and uh, but what's in it? I'm talking, this leads to the point. The reading you've picked up on the last six years, you began to read different things that you hadn't thought of reading before. Uh, again, uh, part, part, part of our help has come from two ministers, not the one just be preceding the one here, but the one before that. He taught me, I had always, I, I think I, Bobby said I'd been the one that always accepted everything. You know, whatever the church had said, that was it, you know, and I believed everything. This was just part of my nature. He said to me, why? And he made me question, and he made me look at everything and, and give an answer. And you know, that was terribly hard, you know. Why should I have to question that when the church says it, you know? Why should I have to question? Well, he taught me how to study. Then we had a next minister that really wasn't any help at all. And then came along this next one, the one that we have now. And uh, he, again, uh, you know, was always uh, constantly um, behind us saying, um, you have to step behind you, pushing you. Yeah, well, not so much not that, like Bob, that, that bothered me so much is that he confronted me with issues. Instead of saying, well, you know, what you're doing is right, he made me again question. The word now, today, the big word today is confrontation. And uh, sure, it made me angry. But then when you get angry, you have to start looking at what you're doing and how you're living and uh, uh, not so much about race as such, but just in other aspects of your life. And once you learn to live other ways, then um, 
you can live your life with freedom. I, I can't think of any other way. Then the, the other things just sort of fall into place. There isn't any, there isn't any one real big decision that you make toward black people or any, anything. It's just how free, uh, how free enough are you in your own spirit and heart that well, you can thinking, live. I was you're saying, I'm thinking about Bob the Craftsman. You know, earlier before we went on yeah. the tape while we're eating, uh, about his care and the work he does, therefore his pride in himself. You know, some of the guys you argued with, I'm not, I'm not this is, I don't mean to make this a rule of thumb, mm. you know, but there's also a slovenly craftsmanship involved more and more. And yeah. I wonder if this is a person's feeling about himself. I think so. Um, I think the old rule is uh, when you get done with a job and you look at the job, uh, would you accept this kind of work in your house? Um, and I think this is things that have to be generated out, outside when you go into a customer's house. Uh, the big the big thing is uh, to do your best for that, uh, for that person, uh, to uh, give it all you got because after all, uh, a lot of times that person, if he's satisfied with the job, is going to go back uh, to your boss and you're accountable to your boss. And in the same token, your boss is accountable to you. You give your boss uh, the best that you possibly can and if you're giving him the best, he'll um, say, you know, I'll keep this man working. Well, the reason I raise this point is because as someone who is very much in your spot, sort of, it's a, it's a white community, but he has many black friends, and he's looked upon strangely, Bob Carter, who happens to be a very skilled mechanic, proud of his work, just your skill with linoleum, proud of your work. It's a hunch I have. Remember that, that's a connection mm -hmm. between the pride in what you're doing and also in the way you live, and yourself. And so, this may not be accidental, is what I'm saying. You know, I never thought about that before, but you know, I think you might be right. And you know, that's another thing, too. I've always been one of these real positive people, you know. I was sure about everything, you know, I knew all the answers. And once I've begun to delve into these things and, and into all aspects of living, you know, you, you, you're you sure of yourself, but there isn't that kind of um, positiveness that you have to impose your assuredness on everyone else. You can leave room for doubt and other people's opinions. You don't have to be right all the time, you know. <laughs> I just accept the matter of, uh, you know, I accept the fact that there are people that, uh, that do have hang-ups, and uh, I, I understand uh, what they're going through. Uh, I'm able to accept my black man uh, and his problems because uh, We've more or less gone through kind of an education program with our black friends. We, um, one of the first uh, ones we went through was uh, with a group over at Maple Park that got together. Yes, that was a tremendous And, uh, you know, at first uh, it was all racial, but then we got down on the, on the Fletcher's book, uh, Th Situation Ethics. And, uh, golly, we're sitting there and we're going through these uh, morals, uh, the, immor uh, the mortality of man, and I find that, uh, golly, you know, my black neighbor's got maybe a little better, uh, a little higher moral standard than I have. Better understanding. It's a, a better understanding of it. Um, uh, we, uh, we went down to uh, EI. We took the uh, Ecumenical Institute uh, study course. I took the seven week, and uh, boy, uh, first three weeks I'm just sitting there I'm not saying anything and finally by the fifth week they came out with one paper and I just said I didn't like it uh, one bit and it's like a group therapy uh, why don't you like it and the teachers are very forceful about this you know uh, they really uh, pin you down and 
golly, you know. You know what the word I'm go- is. I'm going around, I'm saying I'm a liberal or I'm radical or something like that, but there's a lot of things that, you know, I just couldn't accept. Uh, the time Becky brought home the first black boy, I, uh, I went through, uh, I think I went through the seven hells of, uh, of Egypt on that. Uh, um, Becky, uh, I was the seven plagues of Egypt. Uh, I'm coming up every five minutes, you know, uh, and all I could think of is I was a boy at one time, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm just going on my own experiences of how I was, and finally I got down to the point. I figured, well, golly, you know, I, I got I got so hung up that this kid's black. My daughter's being, you know, she's going to lay in bed with a black man, and I'm getting myself all worked up, and all of a sudden I went to church one Sunday and I don't know what it was uh, the minister or there was something there that said uh, said something to me I came home I did a little soul searching opened up the Bible and uh, read that uh, love thy brother and I figured well you know uh, yeah the boy is black the boy is black and finally he's a boy and I probably would have felt the same way if it would have been a white boy because it seems that fathers have a hang-up with their daughters. You know, they just don't want their daughters to kind of leave them. They kind of grab onto their daughters and uh, no boy is going to be uh, good enough for them, you know. And finally, uh, slowly accepted it. Now, Becky, she'll come home with a black boy or, or whatever. He's just a boy. He's just a boy, a human being. You know, I remember saying that to Bob that night. Uh, Becky was sitting right there in that chair. And uh, I came out and I said, Beck, send Mike home. I said, Daddy's upset. And I, she didn't question me, bless her heart. She sent him home. And uh, she said, what was the matter, Mom? And I said, well, I'll talk to you later about it. And I went in and I said to Bob, I said, look, Bob, you're going to have to accept the fact that you're living in a black neighborhood. Are you, did you ever mean anything that you ever said? You know, or are you just upset because it's a boy? out there or are you upset because he's black well at that moment he wasn't happy to hear whatever I had to say you know but uh, I think he did think about it later and I think the church service happened to be a um, a confirmation class and I don't, again I don't remember what was said but it was something about all people are equal and look at your man as his brother and uh, see again we had to fight the same thing that most white people do is uh, the superiority of the white man you know and uh, again I, I always seem like uh, it uh, it's not right to talk about all of this because I don't even think of, when I go over to Haran, for instance, I don't think about them as being black people. They're, they're people, you know, they're the teachers, they're the kids, and, and I, I don't like it that we have to put these distinctions. And I don't like to be called a white person any more than I'm sure that they don't like to, I mean, nothing wrong with it, but why does there have to be this distinction all the time? Like, when you look at me, you don't know I'm a Methodist, and if I look at you, I don't know what you are, but if you were Catholic, you know, and I could say, I mean, it's so silly to put these kind of distinctions on people, you know, and classify them just because they're one thing. Because there's black Catholics and black Protestants, and uh, and, and again, I feel like it's almost, um, I feel silly, you know. And just before leaving the Taylor household, uh, Becky, the oldest child, 19, coming in for the Easter vacation uh, a night or two earlier from uh, Iowa Wesleyan. Boy, Mount Prospect? No, Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant, Iowa. A question asked earlier of your parents and thoughts. Do you feel that you, I'm thinking about the last six or so years of here with a changing neighborhood from uh, white to black, and you've been living in this house for 14 years. Right. You were five years old. Right. Right. Do you feel you played an influence in the lives of your family? 
Yeah. Us. Well, see, I'm like the first one. So being the oldest, anything that happens, it's going to hit me first. And I'm going to probably introduce it to the household, which I did. I put all my parents' beliefs to test. Can you cite instances? For example, you were going to Harlan High. Okay, like, um, I'll never forget when I had the first black fella come over. My father was so nervous. He would lay in bed and come out every five minutes and ask me, when is he going to leave? How long is he going to be here? How much longer is he going to be here? Well, finally, after a while, he, he calmed down, but I think it was just hard for him at first. Or like when I would go out, go out and to parties and so forth. Well, don't come home too late. Be careful and so forth. I mean, just being like the protective father, but still at the same time, I think the idea that I was in um, mixed company, black and white, together, that it sort of caused him to worry a little bit more. My mother didn't say too much ever. How about school? You and uh, your colleagues at school, you were one of the very few white <laughs> students at school, weren't you? Not at, at college. Harlan. At Harlan. At Harlan. Yes, yeah. Harlan. I was. I never noticed any difference. I think it's a kind of frame of mind that you're in. Like, after a while, I couldn't reckon, it looked like one great big black mass. I couldn't recognize anybody's faces. But after a while, when you get to know the individual and the people, you just learn to um, see these individuals as persons, not as a race. And so, you know, I'd like to have conflicting views. I'd hear something that maybe some black people did against white people, and I'd be mad against the whole black race. Yet, at the same time, I could have very strong um, affectionate and emotional feelings towards another black person, and it caused conflicting views within my mind. Thoughts today? Now, what, uh, what have been your thoughts a couple of years now at, at, up in Iowa? The same maybe even stronger because I think they were even more put to a test because the majority of the kids up there, I mean they're really wonderful but they're they haven't been exposed to anything and I was exposed to a lot more than they ever had been and when I got up there they would come in and ask me questions and oh, it was sort of hard for me at first because you know of course people naturally think well she's a white girl hanging around with black people she's nothing but a slut anyhow so it was sort of hard this was the reputation I went in with. They didn't even know me, but they just figured, because this was a generalization. And some of the kids actually thought the bl some of the black kids had tails. That's how that's how backward that some of them were. Do you feel you've been something, it's very difficult, an influence to your colleagues up in Iowa? I really, I don't know. I probably won't know maybe for two, three, four years. <clears throat> but here, though, here before we head for the tall timbers and you greet your family with gifts, I see, or anything. Before this, uh, you feel it was sort of a mutual education, your father, your mother, and your family staying here, of course, in this area. Your thoughts about that? I don't know where else we'd live. You know, what's the sense of moving someplace and having to start all over when you're already established in one place? Because I have the philosophy, if you keep running, you're never going to stop. And pretty soon it's going to catch up with you and you're not going to know what to do. If you face it in the beginning, right at the start, as time goes on, it becomes easier to accept. That's all. You know, it would be a good idea. I was thinking, before I ask uh, your mother and father, you know, Bob and Alice, for you know, just other thoughts come to mind, anything, any base we haven't touched, you know. The piano is here, you know, and it is Easter week, you know, and the Methodist hymnal is there. And perhaps some song, some hymn that uh, perhaps could end with that. You know, it's rather appropriate, I think, you know. Here you are living a certain life. But any other, what, what is it we haven't uh, touched that you feel like talking about, Alice or Bob? Anything that you uh, 
I, again, I, the only thing I can repeat uh, again is um, that I don't feel like this is nothing that we haven't said before, too. I don't feel like we've done anything. And I feel in a way that our black friends uh, don't think we have either. You know, we're just we're just people living in a neighborhood, you know, and it's, uh, I, I, I feel like sometimes when I, we're, we're um, I don't feel out of place no matter where we go. Um, it, it's kind of hard to define. It's hard to distinguish. I mean, I don't feel any more out of place with my black friends than I do with someone that, like you, for instance, you're in a celebrity, you know, yeah. but we're just at home yeah. with. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, the response to the piece by Lois Willey, uh, it wasn't certain what the response would be, whether you'd get some anti-letters or phone calls, and it's rather astonishing, Bob, what yeah, did happen. most, um, well, from all, all except, um, all except one letter, um, we're all in support. Um, they all thought that we were doing a, a good witness job. Um, and, you know, I kind of question who are we witnessed, witnessing, witnessing to, and actually, uh, I think it's uh, to the white more than the black. I think um, maybe maybe we can be just a, a small um, communication uh, deal um, thing with uh, if people are open and want to hear what we have to say, fine. If they don't want to hear what we have to say, that's all right too. Um, but I'm just saying that my black neighbor, it seems like I'm able to uh, relate to my black neighbor probably, maybe a little bit better than I am the white neighbor because he, like Scott says, they are themselves. Uh, you get a few that put on a pretense. But golly, um, when I go over and I, I talk to Willie Davis or Mac Bird or Roscoe Bond any, or Mr. Jones, any of these guys, uh, they're uh, we just talk, we've got problems, you know. Um, and they're not backward about coming out with their problems. And if I say something that they don't like, they call me on it. And if they say something that I don't like, I call them on it. And it's, it's very open. This false, falseness is kind of, it isn't there. It, it's really beautiful. Uh, I have even told Alice that if anything was ever to happen to her, I would very seriously considering uh, marrying a black woman because uh, they um, I don't know they just seem to have a way of li they have more of a community uh, way of life uh, they're very interested in black clubs they're, uh, they're very interested in their property uh, golly you know you hear the old uh, thing that uh, black don't take care of their property well, if you understand why a lot of black aren't able to take care of their property, um, there's certain pressures, and I, this is a real concern of mine. You know, why can't a black man go out and, and get decent uh, financial assistance from lending institutions? Uh, why do they always have to be um, pay a higher interest? Uh, why do real estate uh, people exploit them? And I'm finding now, though, that real estate is ex exploiting both black and white. I'm finding that um, business is exploiting not only black man, but through the white man's apathy. Uh, he's getting exploited also. You know, every time we vote down a school issue or vote down um, uh, an aid program, we're not only voting it down for a black man, it's also for that, that white man also. And uh, people just 
don't care. I got my bubble. I've got my 25 or 30 by 125 foot lot. I've got my fence around it, and I'm not interested what happens to my next door neighbor, but the only time the people feel that they're going to be interested until that fire starts in their own backyard. Then they're going to get themselves involved, only to the point of ex extinguishing the fire, but not really involving themselves continually. Like um, our instructor, Ruthie, she gave uh, the man of faith. This was on Tillich's paper, wasn't it? Um, yeah. No, no, that was the church paper. All right, the church paper. Uh, you know, we're tired. I'm really tired, and I, I know Alice is tired, and I think the kids are tired. But I think we're going to always be tired uh, because we're going to always be involved in, in, in something. If it isn't going to be in black, it's going to be an Indian. And, you know, if the black man's got a bad problem, the Indian's got a worse problem. This is how I look at it. Uh, so I'm always going to be involved, and I'm always going to be tired. And I'm going to be that radical, or I'm going to be that reactionary out there, hitting the people all the time. This is the way I've made, more or less, committed myself. One thing is clear, as far as Bob and Alice Taylor, that labels, labels mean nothing. It's the person that counts in his life. Tired at the same time, alive. You know, could we have? What do you think? Who's going to play piano? Huh? Vicky. And family, so you choose. You choose. I see the hymnal. You choose the hymn. It's a, perfect uh, way to go out on this few days before Easter at the Taylor home. Taylor home, I said, isn't that funny? This Taylor home. Yeah, the Taylor home. And Robert Taylor home on top of it. Robert Taylor. Yeah. And Alice Taylor and family. Thank you very much. It's been a very have to sing beautiful a evening. Little soldiers. You Hi. Ah. <laughs> hey, this is what I'm saying. Say something, Lolly. Say something, Lolly. I think that's the perfect ending. As one of the people who read uh, Lois Willie's article about my hosts, uh, the tailor said, uh, I feel like I'd been on vacation in clean. Mountain air. Again, thank you very much for your hospitality. Me and Lolly will sing yeah. it. Go. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so.
so 